Hey everyone, Ryan Smith here. Hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to the Threadcast here. We are in the midst of uh, closing up our series here from the inside out, Emotions in the Psalms, and kind of beginning our Advent uh, season. And there's kind of a reason that we're closing, um, even though today is Sunday that I'm recording this, is the beginning of Advent. Um, Instead of going into like a traditional Advent series, I wanted to close and end and begin with this this topic, these emotions in the Psalms. And we had a great discussion in our gathering today. And for those that missed it, um, we didn't go public with it just because we wanted to have a a personal conversation about it. Um, But if you're a part of our Common Third community and want to see it, I've got it recorded. Uh, But there is this idea, we talked about the concept of depression. and again, it sounds like a weird topic to, to begin Advent season with, but it is something that is prevalent this time of year, right? Because uh, depression is a deep, uh, is a depth of sadness that goes beyond the normal sadness um, people experience as they go through life. Um, between 13 million and 14 million Americans suffer from depression each year. 16% of Americans will struggle with a major bout of depression at some point in their life. Now, there's no cause for depression, whether it's physical, circumstantial, spiritual, or psychological factors that contribute to it. Um, they're, they're not all the same. Um, and Christians are just as susceptible to depression as anyone else. Um, but many Christians are great at hiding their, their, their depression because they're thinking it's an issue, an issue of morality. Um, but I want us to kind of break through that barrier and kind of talk through a little bit more. And... Um, just like we've been doing, I want to uh, begin in Psalm. The Psalm we're using this week to talk about depression is Psalm 88. And for some, this might be a Psalm that you haven't read before. Um, uh, but it is a powerful Psalm. And I think those that have wrestled with depression can see the words and hear the pain that are in it. So I want to read it in its entirety for you um, before we begin. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I'm overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavenly on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in destruction? Are you are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning with my in the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have suffered and been close to the death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from my you have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. 
So powerful, right? The idea of, of to hear the pain that's in those. But when we're depressed, we become fixated on death and dying. Um, when we're depressed, we feel like we've failed, like you see in verse 7. Like the psalmist, we have a tendency to feel guilty for things that were not our fault. Um, people suffering from depression feel like failures and assume their misery is the due consequence. When we're depressed, we feel, com- we feel completely alone. The psalmist's friends have left him, perhaps assuming he has done something um, to incur his, de- his depression, right? Um, when we're depressed, we feel utterly alone. We are unable and don't want to connect with those around us. And when we're depressed, we lose all perspective. Eyes that are dim with grief become blind to the good things in life, like he says in verse 15. All the psalmist's memories of his life are affliction, terror, suffering, and despair. And I'd like to suggest that depression distorts our perception of the world. So I want to kind of begin with the idea, as Christians, as those who follow Christ, why is it that we don't think that we should be depressed? Because sometimes that's put out there, this idea that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be depressed. Do you think that's a reasonable assumption or not? Um, and hopefully by today, you, you get the idea that we're going to see that it's not restricted to those who just aren't Christian, right? That once you become a Christ follower, depression is not guaranteed not to be with you, um, And so, what do we do? What do we do when depression hits us? Um, I want to use this psalm and a few other psalms to give us some points to just kind of think through as we walk through this. And so our first point today is that when depression hit, we must seek God for answers. And I want you to hear this. I, I know that in the midst of depression, this is the most asinine point. <laughs> um, right? Uh, this is one of those that that if you are in the midst of depression and someone tells this to you, it may not hit right. This is one of those that we hear now outside of depression and then hopefully in the midst of depression that we were reminded of this ourselves. But this is no matter how hard this is, I think this is still a valid point. Um, depression can be caused by a number of things. It may simply be a chemical imbalance in our body. It could be difficult circumstances that cause us to lose hope that our life will get better. For some of us, it's hidden anger that we've turned in on ourselves. And for others, it's a spiritual darkness. But I want you to see in this Psalm 88 and verse 1, verse 9 and verse 13, it says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. Verse 9, I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Verse 13, but I cry to you, Lord, help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. See, the psalmist looks to God for answers. Even though no answers have come by the end of the song, by the end of the psalm, looking to God for answers doesn't mean that, ref- that mean refusing the good gifts that God gives us through the discoveries of science. Okay, <laughs> let me read that again, um, this point. Looking to God for answers doesn't mean refusing the good gifts that God gives us through the discoveries of science. It just means that we continue to seek Him as we look for ways to overcome our depression. 
So, consider there are psalmists. In seeking God, is seeking God a guaranteed cure for depression? No, right? Um, but how can seeking God help us in the midst of our depression, right? That's the thing. That's the question to ponder is in when that depression hits, what does it mean to seek God and how does that happen? What can we learn from the fact that the psalmist cried out to God day and night? Now, again, when we seek God, it doesn't mean that everything changes, right? Um, and I love, I love this psalm doesn't end like a, 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 a TV sitcom, right? You know, back in the 80s, 90s, you'd have a TV sitcom. They'd produce this incredible problem. And then in 30 minutes, the problem would be solved and everybody would be happy and we'd move on with their life, right? And I think we've learned from them that that's not the, the typical way life is. And I think the psalm gives us that as well. There's not an answer for his, his depression at the end of this psalm, right? It doesn't end with, oh, and God loved him and everything was perfect and they walked away. You know, it just kind of leaves it as it is. And, and even though that's true, there is something to the idea of what it means to seek God in the midst of our depression. Second point I want us to think about is this. That, we, that when we are depressed, we must find a living hope in the face of death, right? So I want to read verses 10 and 12, remind you again what it says. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion, right? The the psalmist, you know, he has no prospect of hope beyond the grave. And as someone mentioned today in our gathering, this this death um, can also be the idea of suicide, right? Um, this idea that that when there's seems like there's nothing else better, um, but we have a great advantage over him, over the psalmist, because Christ clearly showed us that there is life after death. In 1 Peter 1, uh, 1, 3, 1 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, the psalmist didn't have Jesus in his life. The psalmist didn't have the example of what it means that Jesus conquered death. And so for those who are in deep, deep depression, the idea of death seems like an incredible answer, that death is the only answer. But Jesus shows us that not even death is the answer, that he conquered death, that there is I hope beyond this desperation that we feel, this darkness that we feel, that our living hope is anchored in the reality of Jesus Christ's resurrection. No matter how bad things get in this life, we are sure we are assured that life will be better one day. And I believe that is not just in eternity, but it is in the present. That there is a hope that life will have hope, that we will experience better days, that we will um, we will have an, a, a different perspective. Now, does that mean that we just give up and suffer through until we die? No. 
right? You know, it's not this idea that this idea that 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 there is a living hope doesn't mean that you know I'm just gonna you know that I'm just holding on till death and then it, I, there is this living hope. There is this idea that that God promises that He wants our eternal life better. He wants our physical life now. That He promises that there is hope now. Um. And I know there's pushback from that, right? I know what you're already thinking, but I'd love you just kind of sit in that for a bit, this idea that there is a living hope. Um, The third point that I want us to wrestle with today is that when we find ourselves depressed, that we must find the answer of God's forgiveness in the face of failure. I want you to hear me on this. Depression is not a sin. Depression is not a sin, but depression can come as a result of our sins. Um, there's two passages I want us to kind of read through this. Um, the first one is 1 John 1-9. through 9. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the other verse I want you to hear is 1 John 3, 19-20. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. And so, depression is not a sin, but depression can come as a result of our sins. And so confession is good for our souls because it opens us up to God's forgiveness and sets our hearts at rest in His presence. So think about this. How might failure to confess our sins result in depression, right? What does it mean um, to not give those over? How can we set our hearts at rest in his presence as we see in 1 John 3.19? What does it mean that God is greater than our hearts? This idea that if we are still, if we've confessed, and we are still feeling guilt. And we're still feeling shame. I want you to hear that that's not coming from God. Because in, in, in 1 John 1, 9, we see that He is faithful and will forgive us our sins. That when we confess, there's a release from God. And so, once sometimes when, when we confess and we still feel that, it's our hearts. It's our physical hearts still holding on. And hear that God is greater than our hearts. Man, isn't that, isn't that cool? Um, in our depression, that's hard to hold on to. It's hard, it's hard to hear that. But, but know that that guilt, that shame that we might be feeling is not coming from God, but coming from our, our humanness, right? And so uh, the fourth point that I want us to think through is that when we find ourselves in depression, We must find authentic community in the face of aloneness. This isn't in Psalm 88, but I still think this is true um, in just the concept of the Psalms and what the psalmist is writing. But our impulse when we're sad is to isolate ourselves. But it's at that moment that we need others most our impulse when we're sad is to isolate ourselves but it's at that moment that we need others most 
want you to see Romans twelve fifteen through 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Sometimes when we take that live in harmony with one another, we think that everything, it just means that in harmony, we think everything should be roses and we should all be dancing and happy and, and, and telling jokes and, and being you know this perfect life. But it says right before that we rejoice, but we also mourn that harmony is not just ups, but harmony is the downs. It's, it's the ups and downs in community. So real community comes when we're willing to hurt with another person. That God created his church to be an authentic community, a community where all of us are helping each other as we go through the different seasons we experience in life. And so, the tendency to isolate ourselves may be a clue that we are depressed. And so how can you counteract that desire to withdraw from people? What are things that you can do in your life that when you feel that isolation, that, that, that tendency to want to isolate yourself, what can you do to fight that? What do you think authentic community is like? What does it look like to experience the ups and the downs, the, 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 the joys and the pains with other people? And then one last question for you. How might doing so help lift your depression? Have you ever thought about that? The idea that that when we experience joy with each other and mourning with each other, no matter what I'm feeling, whether I'm down and I try to experience the joy with somebody else or I'm joyous and I want to experience the pain with somebody else, how does that how does that help me in my depression? How does that how can that help me experience someone else's? Does it, right? Um, and I think it does. So um, that's the, the fourth point I want you to think about. And, and the fifth one is this. That when we are depressed, we must find an eternal perspective in the face of our short-sightedness. That we must find an eternal perspective in the face of our short-sightedness. This idea that Scripture helps us lift our eyes to what is beyond our eyes and even before we can see it. And there is this idea... And this is hard. Again, this is one of those hard ones. Again, this is not one that you just dive into right in the midst of depression or you share with somebody. But there is this idea that depression only lets us see the physical. And in our walk with Christ, there is more than just the physical, right? In James uh, 1, uh, 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so there is this idea that understanding how troubles function in our lives helps us endure them with hope and even joy. That in the midst of our depression, we see that they are things that make us better, that, that, that make us stronger. But you have to wrestle with that, right? You have to think about how can we possibly consider our trials? How can we consider our pains? How can we consider that our enemies, that our friends have left us as a joy? And how can, how can perseverance finish its work? How can me be me walking through depression and not giving up to the darkness of it? How does that work in me? But here's another question I want to give you. Does being mature 
does being a Christian, but does being someone who's, who's walked with Christ mean that you no longer struggle? Right? Because a lot of times we think it does. That, that if I become a strong Christian, that if I spend my time reading, if I spend my time praying, if I become a counselor to others, then I should not ever experience darkness again. And we found that that is the lie of Satan. That depression hits us all. And so, I leave you with this thought. Should we seek professional help for depression? Now, many Christians are unsure whether seeking professional help means that they are not relying on God, right? And usually this internal struggle stems from a belief that depression is a moral weakness or a sin, which it usually is not. Because there are so many factors that contribute to depression, it makes sense to explore all the possible causes and solutions. So I want to suggest that Psalm 88 shows us that in times of deep, deep sadness that we need to seek God for answers, cry out to Him for a living hope, ask Him for forgiveness, seek community with His people, and look to Him for perspective. Absolutely. But also, also recognize that God gave us psychology and counseling And just like we understand that God gave us medicine and doctors and science to help us in our physicalness, that turning to professional help is not weakness, and it is not moral weakness, and it is not a sin. But it's just a way to know that there are seasons of our lives that we experience. And God gives us answers and ways out, not just through the spiritual realm, but through the physical and the psychological and the mental realm. And so, as we enter into this Advent season and we find joy and expectation and the beauty of what it means that Christ is with us, Emmanuel, that there is a baby Jesus that entered into this world, we also recognize this season is a great trigger for depression. And so if that is you, may you find strength in God. Or if you see this in others, may you point them to someone that can help them, but also may you walk with them and give them strength and friendship and hope and light. May we be people who don't give into the darkness, but always shine brightly shine brightly, shine brightly through hope and joy and love and perseverance. Have a great week. Grace and peace.